This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Oh, it is a Tampa Tuesday morning here on Birds 365, because that's where the Eagles are headed next Monday. But we got to get there first, and we get there by talking about the Birds here on Birds 365 for the next four days. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here to shoot the Eagle Breeze with you for the next couple hours. Uh, Nick Sirianni revealed all yesterday as to how the Eagles are going to get this thing turned around, huh, Johnny Mac? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, very revealing. Now, a typical Nick Sirianni, uh, you know, trying to steady the ship. What else can you do at this point, though? So I'm not going to kill him for it. But uh, no, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, I would say. Um, you know, he keeps getting asked if he is going to change play callers, which, you know, he had a one-word answer to that, which was no. And, I, you know. I don't expect him to change play callers. I think that would be silly at that point. I think it was silly when they did it the first time. So I certainly would think it would be silly. Uh, in week 19, going into the playoffs, I think it would be beyond silly. Um, so I, I well, don't let, know. Let, let, me, let me follow that up then. Um, because last night I did a show on WIP and – I called it a brainstorming session to see if anybody could come up with any ideas how to turn a sinking ship around. And one person did suggest, well, if Nick Sirianni's going to stand up there, sit up there, whatever, in his after game, day after press conference, and take a page completely out of Andy Reid's book, I got to do a better job. That's on me. I got to coach him up better. He's taken all the bullets, which I think is commendable, as a matter of fact. 
uh, but it does get repetitious and it gets to the point. I used to make fun of Andy Reid on how much he would say, it's on me, I got to do a better job. It just becomes uh, background noise. And uh, actually, I thought that one point it got so bad, it was, it was actually something that would make you laugh. Uh, but uh, the, the new head coach is following the old head coach's lead, and he's taking all the blame. Well, then how about you take the responsibility, too? If you're going to take the verbal blame, if you're going to stand up there and try and take it all on yourself, then how about following it up with some action? He continues to tell us that it's Nick Sirianni's offense, that when they were lambasting Brian Johnson for his play calling, it's my offense. Yeah, he might be calling a play, but it's my offense. Well, then really make it your offense. How about you call the plays on Monday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I don't think it's near as outrageous as you do for him to say, all right, yeah, if, I, if the if ship's going down, the captain better grab the wheel. Let me call the place. You think that's ridiculous? I don't think it's ridiculous. I I I think, you know, I, I think it's it, because I know he's not doing it. I think it's a waste of time is how I would describe it. So, I mean, he said it to us. Um, but a hundred times, let me interrupt and I'll apologize. Would you have not said after week eight or nine, whenever it was, when they were eight and one, well, it's ridiculous to think they swap out Sean Desai. They're eight and one. Come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I did. And I've said it pretty consistently. And again, if Nick hadn't told me 150 times, he wasn't taking play calling back. I would entertain it. I mean, that's the only reason I don't entertain it. I'm not saying it's ridiculous from your standpoint. I'm not saying it's ridiculous from anybody else's standpoint. It's a natural conclusion. I'm saying he said it so many times. Now, he can lie. He's lied to us before. He's lied that's to us what again. I'm, that's what I'm getting at, John. But, it isn't but, like everything that comes from Nick Sirianni's lips is God's given truth. But but why do people want him to take over the play calling? If he's the worst coach in the world, why do you want that? What I, 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 there's some of the things, you know, I, I saw Jeff Stoutland should tell Hollis Thomas on uh, Mark Farzetta's show said, why doesn't Jeff Stoutland take over play calling? Well, why the hell is it Jeff Stoutland calling plays? Where's he called plays? Where's that evidence? What, what I mean, there's well, certain Sir, things. Sirianni was an offensive coordinator. Sirianni was an offensive coordinator who didn't call plays. And then when he did call plays, it didn't go well. Um, you know, early, early in the process here. Um, but again, that's not, that's not my point. He could do it. It's not going to change anything. Um, it, it, it's, it's his offense. It's built to, you know, the only thing that changes between Shane Steichen and, and Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni and insert name next year, if you want somebody else to do it next year and Nick's still the head coach. The only thing that changes is the feel in the moment, which I think Shane was very good at. Yep. To be fair, the feel in the moment. That's the only thing that changes. The big cheesecake factory menu is going to be the same. Um, they're going to build the offense during the week. You're going to have a certain group of plays on third and short, third and middle, third and long. Um, red zone, it's all mapped out. It's not like they go fly. Hey, Brian Johnson, go make something up in the middle of the game. I think people believe that. That's not how it's done. Um, 
So the only thing that changes is, is the feel in the moment. And I'm not saying that can't be important. It can be very important. But, it, you know, I haven't seen the feel from Nick Sirianni. I've seen the feel from one guy, and you can't get him back. So unless you can figure out how to get Shane Steichen in as a consultant while he's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, yeah, I don't think this offense is changing. And to me, I, I, I always say, and I'm pretty consistent with, not that there aren't many problems on this offense, because there are, but I got a hard time getting to him because I can't get past the defense, which is the much larger problem. To me, the offense comes down, and there are a couple things. Dallas got it with that weird quote about basically mailing it in uh, at the end of the season. Um, you got Chad Johnson for some of the- Again, I, for the third time, I'm getting to interrupt you in the first eight minutes of the show. I apologize. Do you believe Dallas believes that? Or do you think he was just didn't have something to say and was spitballing and talking off the top of his head that and you certainly have to point the finger at Dallas because he's got to be guilty of it. But he kind of made a sweeping statement by his teammates that they actually did take their foot off the gas when they qualified for the playoffs as early as they did. I'm not asking whether he's accurate or not. I'm just asking you whether he really believes that. He might have talked himself into it. Um, that would be the best I would I would say. Um, and that's why I was bringing up Chad, bringing up they're playing possum. Well, if they're playing possum, we're going to figure out pretty quickly. I mean, to me, it would be astonishingly silly to play possum. But they have talent on offense. They have talent. So to me, if everybody wakes up and Jalen Hurts springs his A game and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith is healthy and the offensive line for the second consecutive season, everybody's a pro bowler or a pro bowl alternate, which is astonishing, by the way, every single 10 for 10. Um, they have talent on the offensive side of the football. They don't have talent on the defensive side of the football other than, you know, certain guys on the front who aren't living up to their expectations. We can talk about that. But, um, you know, if, if you were to grade the talent on defense, it's probably below average compared to the rest of the league, whereas offensively it's well above average. So, you know, maybe they can turn the switch on offensively, certainly against Tampa Bay. Um, maybe they can turn it on. I could buy that. I can't buy it defensively. I I can't. I can't even envision a road, a path. It's easy to envision a path offensively. Just play clean football. Just don't make stupid mistakes. Let your best players take over. It's an easy path. It really is. Defensively, there's no path. There really isn't. And it's only gotten worse I joke they're Benjamin Button buttoning the communication aspect. They're going backwards instead of you're supposed to get better at, at, as you go through the season. The communication increases as you go through the season, gets incrementally better. It's only gotten worse, part partially because of the change, change yep. uh, of the defensive play callers, um, which to me again was a panic move. But offensively, because that's where we started. I mean, they got players. Yeah, they. So you go fourteen and one. From from a logical standpoint, you go fourteen and one with Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback, and then you go ten and one. 
And all of a sudden, you start losing games. So, and and, and everybody, we, yeah, look, they don't want to blame the players, so they want to blame the coaches. And I, I don't care who the coach is. Insert name. They're going to blame the coaches because they want to protect the players. That's fine. When you say there, who are you referring to? The fan base, the large portion of the fan base gotcha. wants to protect the players uh, uh, versus the coach. It's easy to blame the coach. It's coaches. easier to blame the coach. Yeah. Right. Um, did they all of a sudden get stupid overnight? Did they all of a sudden, or or did the rest of the league, from a logical standpoint, did the rest of the week, uh, they woke up one day and they said, you know what? Nick Bose is right. This is how you play the Eagles and you can beat them at will. How dumb are they then? If they just woke up, they were getting their asses handed to them, 24 out of 26 games, whatever it was, 25 out of 27. For, for over, you know, well over a year, close to two years, and all of a sudden woke up, the rest of the league, the rest of these dummies who couldn't figure it out and said, oh, now we have the magic uh, carpet. No, the, the, the players aren't performing up to the standard that they were before. And so offensively, I can see that switch being turned on. Defensively, I can't see that switch being turned then, on. Then this lends me to one more question, and then I see our buddy Tommy Lawler is ready to jump in, but love a guest who's not only on time but early. That's why we love Tommy. Um, if if your read on the offense and defense talent-wise is accurate, which I believe it is, how come nobody's looking at Howie Roseman for the defense that he assembled? I think people are starting to look at it and saying, you know, I think you've seen he's no longer in the conversation for executive of the year. You know, people gave him that two time executive of the year back to back. The day drafted Jalen Carter, he got it for the yeah. 2024. Uh, that ain't happening. He ain't going to win that again. So I think people are starting to figure out that, you know, um, there were ways and some of it. Look, I mean, we can talk about injuries you know, in hindsight, they they probably were counting on Nicobe Dean way too much. They were probably counting on Reed Blankenship way too much. Um, and and you know, part of it is going into a different phase of of understanding what's coming down the road with the quarterback and the money, and you got to start developing some younger players. And that's where I would put if you put most of the onus on the coaching staff developing younger players. If you want to criticize them, I would criticize them more towards that, getting them up to speed quickly. We talked about Nolan Smith. Um, there should be a, a a better path to him getting meaningful playing time that doesn't involve him playing Mike Linebacker um, out of position. Um, so, you know, there's, there's things to point out, but Howie's certainly one of them when it comes to um, – the back seven, especially on defense. Oh, and I know one one quote I saw yesterday that the Philadelphia Eagles, and when I say this, I mean everybody, uh, Howie Roseman, uh, Nick Sirianni, all of his coaches, nobody wanted to hear this. Javon Hargrave came out yesterday and took a shot at the Eagles for their chill practice. Yeah, I saw that. I, th I was thinking about you, Jody. Yeah. He, uh, he said things are much tougher in San Francisco, which is no surprise. They... You know, Kyle Shanahan's Mike Shanahan's son. I mean, yeah, he runs a, a tougher Nick, ship. Nick Sirianni's, what's his dad's name? He keeps Fran. referring back to him, Fran. He's yeah. Fran's son. 
Why the hell is he so chill? He's a coach's son too. Same as Shanahan. Well, remember we're and and by the way, I've said consistently, and I still believe today, if we're up to Nick Sirianni alone, the Eagles would practice more. I've yet to meet the football coach. No one that doesn't in the Eagle organization didn't want to hear that because you're right. That that indictment comes from the top down. Yeah. So I think that's an organizational philosophy. And yeah, I mean, people are going to jump on it. Javon uh, was a hell of a player here, and he's a hell of a player there, uh, at least pass rushing wise. So, um, you know, he he was fine here, and he's fine there. So it didn't affect him either way because he's a good player. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it's always to me, it's always personnel first. Always, 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 and that's when uh, I say it all the time, Jody. When when things were going good. I put it more on the personnel. When things are going bad, I put it more on the personnel. So at least I'm consistent. It's personnel first. Not to say there aren't some issues with their this coaching staff, but I think most of it has to do with, as I said, player development, teaching techniques, fundamentals, communication. I, I look at more than that, more at that than – the nebulous play calling term, which I say, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. And I get to talk to the coaches and watch the film and get the all 22 and I can't figure it out. So what makes you think you can figure it out on the, and I'm not talking about you, but anybody who criticizes play calling on the moment when you're watching a play on television where you can't see, it's absurd. You're not judging play calling. You're judging play results. Oh, you know, I agree with that. Uh, but that that's the want of the fan at home. They want to know. They want to believe they know more than those who are actually in charge. All right. Uh, I'm in charge here on Birds 365 of deciding when we go to break. And I'm deciding right now that we're going to break. Because Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com is in the green room. He's ready to jump in with us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. It's a playoff week. Although it doesn't really feel like a playoff week. We'll see if Tommy <laughs> Lawler can encourage. He's laughing already. That's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> Eaglesblitz.com, longtime Eagles writer Tommy Lawler joins us here on Birds 365. And I say long time because you're sitting down and talking with two other longtime guys who've been following this league for a long time. Um, Tommy, I don't forget about the Eagles. It's never happened to the Eagles before, but just in the history of the league, I can't remember as historic a collapse as this team has gone through in the last month and a half. Why? Give us your best psychological analysis. We're all trying and we're all coming up short, so I'm going to give you a shot here too, Professor Lawler. What the hell's happened to the Eagles? Well, it feels like they did everything they could to get to 10-1. and I mean, the, the team had to really battle there. If you think about the game against the Bills, the game against the Chiefs, and even in those games, they got some lucky breaks. Let's just be honest. If, if Valdez Scantley catches that pass, Kansas City probably wins that game. That's true. Buffalo had any number of things that could have gone their way. I mean, it, it took, what, a 59-yard field goal and a rainy, windy day to go in to get the thing to overtime. And then if you, you, you think about a couple other games, um, remember the one game against Washington, Reed Blankenship's forearm kept a pass from being completed yeah. that wasn't for that forearm, Washington's in field goal range, and the Eagles could have lost that game. Uh, so the Eagles could have lost a, a handful of times, but they they fought, they got a little lucky, they took advantage of the breaks, they get to 10-1, and one, then they run into two buzzsaws, San Francisco and Dallas, and listen, there's no there's no shame in losing to those teams. Those are the two best teams, or two of the best teams in the NFC. And so that gets the Eagles to 10-3, and three, and then I think at that point, the Eagles thought, okay, the schedule lightens up and we'll be able to handle it. And they assumed they would win down the stretch. And they, they did and they blew the game against Seattle. They blew the game against Arizona. And then Sunday was just a meltdown. And so the team, I think thought, well, once we get through that gauntlet of the schedule, we can let up a little bit, that just the opposite. It should have been the time to put the hammer down and play your best football to build momentum going into the playoffs. Instead, the team relaxed a little bit, had some things go against them where they were getting lucky in that winning streak. They got unlucky in the losing streak. And now, you know, again, we've, we've seen this team lose five out of six and just it's a head scratch. This is a uh, one of the worst ways to finish out a season we've seen. 
Yeah. And I'm glad you put that up there because isn't that uh, at the end when you said the luck kind of turns um, and, you know, coaches hate that term luck, but let's be honest, it's real. Absolutely. Um, and there's so many one score games and the Eagles were winning them early and then losing them late. Think about Seattle, Arizona specifically. Those are one score games. You make one stop defensively. You win those games. You got 13 wins. Everybody's happier. Maybe not great. I think it changes. You know, San Francisco still has the number one seed because they're probably playing harder and they to keep it. But you probably have the number two seed and everybody's happy and going into the playoffs and saying, well, the Eagles got a real shot, um, at least to get back to the NFC championship game. Um, even go back to the Jets, 10 and one, yeah. you know, Jalen yeah. Hurts, the worst play of the season for him. If they just punt the football, they probably win that game. Um, think, think about the um, in the Seattle game. Seattle's backed up inside the 10 yard line. Locke throws a pass over the middle. It's right by Nick Morrow, right by him. He couldn't get his, his hands to it. So it wasn't like he, he didn't, you know, it was like it wasn't like his mistake. Yeah. But that ball is just a little different. He's picking that pass off the 15 yard line. The Eagles are probably going to add points right there, and they probably win that game by double digits. And yeah. all of a sudden, you say, "Hey, the defense showed us they could close out a game." All of a sudden, they've maybe got some confidence in the who knows how the next few games go. Instead, that ball falls harmlessly to the ground, and it turns into the James Bradbury uh, uh, pick on James Bradbury festival, and <laughs> Seattle marches down and scores the winning touchdown, Man. and the Eagles just their mojo's gone, you know. Uh, when they had that 20 to three lead on, on the giants, you thought, okay, they flipped the switch. And the next thing you know, it's 20 to 18. And I know as I'm watching it, I'm sitting there going, here we go. This, this, this it's, it's meltdown time. And they got lucky that they, they held off for that game. And in the Cardinal game, when they were up 21 to six, I said, okay, they they learned their lesson for last week. And then all of a sudden it's 21 to 13. And you said, oh, boy, here we go. And sure enough, the team just completely folded in the second half of that game, and they didn't bother showing up on Sunday. So, so all, all that being said, would you not say the Eagles, to quote the famous Bill Parcells line, you are what your record says you are. There were several games that they lost that they could have won. But yeah. there were also several games that they won that they could have lost. When you put it all in the wash, doesn't it come out to 11 and 6, exactly where they are? So everybody, in regard to just about everything in the world, has recency bias, right? Uh, you, you, whatever just happened to you is the way you think of something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you go back to 1991, the Eagles finished 7 and 1 behind Gang Green playing awesome defense and everybody's fired up by that team. Hey, if they had just made the playoffs... They would have been so tough. They might have won the Super Bowl. Well, they didn't make the playoffs. So they finished the season hot, but they started the season cold. In the end, you had a 10 and 16 that was just, just missed the playoffs. This year, you had a team that started red hot and finished cold, but they, they finished with an 11 and 6 record, not that different than 10 and 6 the 91 team was. So the overall season was a success, right? It's just the end was a disaster, and you blew the opportunity you had to be the number one seed, the number two seed, win the division, you blew those opportunities. So that adds on to the frustration as compared to if they had gone, you know, two and one, two and two, three and two, three and three, and then so on and so forth. They've been more back and forth. You know, you could have lived with it because you it wouldn't have built your expectations. But because of recency bias, what we saw at the end was a team that just folded 
and we all sit there and say, well, I don't trust this team at all. We're not treating them like an 11 and 16. We're treating them like a six and 11 team. Yeah. And you're right about the recency bias, Tommy, but uh, that's part of it because human nature is human nature and, and forget about the outside world. Um, it's got to be the inside world. Uh, can the Eagles recover from that uh, too? Because let's face it, they should beat Tampa Bay, even in Tampa Bay. They have, they have better players. They Absolutely. should win the game, um, even on the road. Um, but I think we could all envision them losing the game after what they've just been through. Can they turn it around? Dallas Goddard essentially said, you know what? We were just, you know, coasting to the finish line. Can they turn the light switch on? I think they can offensively. I'm not sure they can do it defensively. They absolutely can do it. There's no, there's no question. There's enough talent. This team can can win uh, Monday night. Oh, God forbid. Uh, oh. And and then they can, you know, the next week you'd be probably playing at San Francisco, and that's a whole other you know challenge. But again, it's possible. Absolutely, no question about it. Now, part of the problem is we we keep talking about talent in the roster, and it feels like this is a sports car that the mechanic can't figure out why it's, why it's not running correctly. <laughs> and it is not, it's most definitely not running correctly. And uh, so we haven't seen them play like a playoff team in a while now, even, even when they were, you know, beating uh, uh, Kansas city in, in, in uh, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah. those were still flawed performances, right? Um, you know, they got down at halftime. I think was it down 17 to six to Kansas city. And then in Buffalo, Buffalo had complete control of that game for a while, you know, so it took big comebacks and, and like say lucky breaks to win those games. So the last time this team looked genuinely good for 60 minutes, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a hard, hard question. Tampa Bay, maybe in, in week three, I think it was when they won 20. Yeah, I think that was their best game, ironically <laughs> of the year, their most There's, complete game. Their exactly. Most complete game. They gave up 174 yards on defense. They gained 472 yards on offense. And the team, the game was only twenty five to eleven, because the Eagles were one for five in a red zone. If they score a couple of touchdowns, then all of a sudden that's a blowout. And we sit there, mm-hmm. and but the, at the time that was the, the talking point on the team is the Eagles are good, but they can't score in the red zone, and that's keeping other the opponents in the game. Uh, they figured out the red zone stuff, and then everything else started to go wrong. And uh, that's what the season has felt like. It's felt like a really uh, bizarre game of whack a mole where the yeah. coaches solve one problem and something else pops up. The Eagles had the best run defense in the league for the first two months. And now all of a sudden James Conner looks like freaking, you know, uh, Earl Campbell. Uh, it is just a strange, strange season. And there's part of me that really is really excited to see what they do. And there's another part of me that's just ready for this to be over. So we can go ahead and start focusing on something else because this season, I, I can't imagine what the coaches think. It, it, you sit there, you watch the tape and you're like, how are these problems happening? You know, cause these are, there's some smart veterans on this team uh, and they just do some things that just blow your mind. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's yeah. really hard to figure out. A couple of things. Uh, I, I went down the OJ Simpson, James Connor road last week. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I like Tommy's cause he was physical. <laughs> I like Earl Campbell cause he was more physical. 
and he, did, heck, he was dragging Eagles tacklers with yeah. him. And then a couple times he didn't even have to drag them. They just said, you go on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's there, Earl Campbell is on an island to himself. There has yes, never been as physical a back as he has. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. But uh, yeah. here I've been throwing this theory out and I get mixed reviews. No one is going, damn, Joe, you're exactly right. So I don't know how right I am or aren't. Um if, if you believe the Eagles offensive coordinator and their play caller has a grasp of what's going on with the birds right now, which some people don't, um, two weeks in a row when asked about their play calling and why they did what they did when they did it, the first one being in the throes of right after the Eagles uh, fan base chanting when the Eagles had the ball run the ball, just run the ball, run, the, and the fallout thereafter of Eagle players complaining about it. Um, two weeks in a row, he actually defended the Eagles offense by saying, you know, when we go to the line of scrimmage, it hasn't been decided yet whether it's a run or a pass. That if it's an RPO, they can go either way. That if Jalen wants to check out of the play and go either way, we've got options off all our plays. So if you want to try and balance run to pass, well, that's kind of something that's done on the fly in the middle of the game, which I read into it that Jalen's running the offense, that they may send him plays whispering his ear about something, but that Jalen decides in the moment exactly what the hell they should do with the football. I think that's a lot. I know he was the runner-up for MVP in the NFL last year, and it got him a $250 million contract, but he's still a relatively young quarterback in the National Football League. Did the Eagles put too much on Jalen Hurts' plate before this year started? No, I'd, I wouldn't agree with that. Um, in, in the RPOs, he's completely right on a lot of those plays. And it's not just the Eagles. I've got uh, f uh, f um, friends who cheer for different teams. And I swear, 32 different fan bases think their team doesn't run enough. <laughs> they, they want to run the ball. They want to see the eye right. formation. They want 47 carries a game up the middle. It's and they amazing. don't understand. It, yeah, it is. It really is. Coaches want favorable circumstances. And it's amazing. It's a math this, equation. I exactly. say it all the time. Yeah. It's amazing this didn't get to the NFL until now. But coaches, you know, have Jalen go to the line of scrimmage and look. And if he sees an eight-man front, hey, we don't want to run into an eight-man front. So if, if you see that, you know, there are certain circumstances, we want you to throw the football. That's the run-pass option. Read the defense, see where they're aligned and try to find the weakness and let's attack the weakness. So it's, it's like trying to always be right. And I do think there is a weakness to that. Now, if you think about the greatest teams that we've seen play football, they didn't always try to outsmart the opponent. Sometimes, you know, we knew the Dallas Cowboys were going to hand the ball to Emmett Smith and it was going behind Larry Allen. Yep. And you stopped it every now and then. We still celebrated the fact that we stopped it 28 years ago in, in 1995. That's like a, a, a holy event in Philadelphia, yes. the fourth and one stop. Well, guess actually, what? actually felt the ground shake beneath me. <laughs> yeah. That's the two times at the vet in my life. Uh, last out at LCS uh, with Mitch Williams on the mound. And when Emmett got stopped twice at fourth, the only time I actually felt the vet shake below my feet. I, I was at a sports bar watching it with a mixture of Eagles fans, Cowboys fans, and other people from other games who all focused on that. And you would have thought that the world just came to an end because everybody went nuts. It, people that didn't that just were there to hate Dallas loved it. Everybody became an Eagles fan for five minutes. 
but what we don't talk about is the other 150 times they run behind Larry Allen against the Eagles <laughs> and they average five yards a carry, yeah. right? We don't talk yeah. about that. Um, and, and so when you have great players, sometimes I think coaches in today's game worry too much about outsmarting the opponent and not what do we do well and how do I get the ball to my best players and give them a chance to make a play? And so there's a balance. There's a healthy balance you have to have between let's be in the right play and let's just give our guys a chance and let's do what we do. Uh, because as you, as you're pointing out, Jody, and there's a little bit of truth in this, in the fact, do you want your players thinking a lot or sometimes you want your players just playing? And so if Jalen's going up there and he's reading the defense, then he's got to think about, you know, somebody going in motion, do I need to adjust this? This was the snaps on two. There are play clocks at six. Uh, you know, do I, and then once he, once he gets the hand handoff, he's got to read the defensive end and decide, am I going to hand it to Swift? Am I going to keep it, run it myself? So there's a lot of thought going on. Uh, but it's, that's, that, that's central to a lot of the NFL, a lot of football in general these days. So I don't yeah. think it's too much for him. I think it's just, again, that's the way the game is shifted and, and the Eagles are definitely at the forefront of the RPO uh, world. Yeah. Chip Kelly brought, I mean, for all his, uh, for all the criticisms of, of Chip Kelly, and I always say he didn't have a filter. That was Chip's problem. Um, but uh, he brought so much to the NFL, it was ahead of the the curve, so to speak. Um, I say it all the time, Tommy. Innovation trickles up in football. Most industries, it trickles down, right. trickles up in football. Really, high school to college, and the high school coaches are the ones coming up with all this funky stuff. Then it goes to college. Then it finally hits the pros. But yeah, I mean, it's been here since Chip. Uh, Doug did it, um, and, and they do it now. And you have an option. And you would hear Carson Wentz. Uh, watch old Carson. You would hear Carson all the time killing the play. Right. He's killing from run to pass or vice versa. Um it's not difficult to do. It's not like old school. You bring up the Dallas Cowboys. I'll go whoa, way back to Roger Stallback. Guys like that would run the game from the line of scrimmage. That doesn't happen. It's a math equation. All right. As you mentioned, you got an extra guy in the box. Let's throw it. You got uh, they're in coverage. Let's run it. Blah, blah, blah. Eagles have the RPRs, run pass, run option. They'd like to call it. Um, he kills plays. Now, when you audible, and like in the Seattle game, and you take a shot and you make a mistake, then it's time to blame the quarterback. Now, I know people don't want to blame the quarterback, but another issue I have with, because it's become the narrative, is the blitz beater. I'll be the first to tell you the Eagles have no answers for the blitz. However, if you watch Nick Sirianni and Frank Wright's offense in Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers, oh, they magically had blitz beaters. If, if you don't have a quarterback who is going to throw the ball quickly, it, it, you're not going to put that in your offense. It's not like Nick Sirianni doesn't know, hey, they're coming from here. Let's throw behind his ear. Let's throw it. They did it all the time in Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers. If Jalen Hurts isn't going to do that, why are we blaming the coaching staff? Well, so let, let's think about the first Giants game. Uh, there was a sequence 
and I feel like it was late in the first half. Uh, the Giants were blitzing, and Kenny Gainwell caught passes on two out of three plays, or maybe back-to-back plays. He caught passes in the left flat and gained 10, 12 yards on each play. And and so at first, when, when the Giants were blitzing, the Eagles were throwing a football downfield, incompletions, wasn't, wasn't working. Those two plays, all of a sudden, they have Gainwell in the flat. They get the ball to him, and guess what? There's a giant void because that's where the blitzer came from. Jalen gets the ball out there. Gainwell gets out of bounds uh, late in the half, and they went and scored some points. And you saw, okay, they do have the ability to throw the ball to checkdowns. But Sirianni and Hertz both are ultra-aggressive and want chunk plays. And they're like the home run hitter who just keeps swinging harder to hit a home run. And it's like, forget the home run. Just swing and make contact and see what happens. And they keep trying to attack downfield because they want their their big plays against the Blitz. And it's just not working this year. You know, the, the results are there. So they've, they've got to adjust that. And it'll be interesting to see what they do in Tampa. I do agree that you're right. Uh, when Mariota came in the game, all of a sudden they had some plays that worked against the Blitz, right? Except, we saw except on... the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That Senator was an immediate interception. That that one working. Well, that was yeah, yeah. That, no, that was a that was a bad play. But after he once he got in and settled down and and was throwing uh, passes kind of in a rhythm and got his feet under him, yep. all of a sudden you saw quick throws to Covey. Uh, Quez Watkins actually looked like a legitimate NFL receiver. Uh, the ball was coming out quickly, and and def- and there was a kind of a, a rhythm to the offense. I agree. It's in the playbook. The stuff's in there. It's just that Sirianni and Hertz both want their big plays, and they keep forcing the issue. And that's where I wish somebody, I wish Jeff Lurie would sit down and say, quit going deep. <laughs> Listen, it worked awesome last year. It helped get us to the Super Bowl, but it's not working right now. So don't force the issue. Get chunk plays by yards after the catch. Let's try a screen pass. Let's do something else. But throwing the ball downfield is just not working this year. And the fact that they, yeah. they won't adjust from that is incredibly frustrating. Uh, whenever I see the blitz, Tommy, uh, coming, and you see it a lot from Wink Martindale, and I see Jalen flush, I'm like, all right, play's over. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you – you know, you either got to get rid of the football quickly, process it, or you got to step up and manipulate the pocket if you want that downfield throw. But the minute you flush, you might as well flush the play because that's essentially where it's going. Yeah, and I, I would tell him the thing that I think John Gruden is the coach I heard say this first. You never go broke uh, taking a profit. And in other words, get three yards on a play. You don't have to get 30 yards every play. Just get three, move the chains. And so Jalen, if you would just become comfortable on throwing a quick ball to a tight end or running back receivers underneath, just get those three yards. Second and seven is better than, better than second and 10. It's a heck of a lot better than second and 15 or second and 16. True. Just throw the quick passes when they're, when, when you need to. And that's okay. The, the big plays will come. Don't force them. And this year, the coaches are forcing him, and Jalen's forcing him. And as we've seen, there's been countless interceptions down the field. The Quez Watkins a couple of weeks ago, there was an interception, a, a deep interception against Tampa in the first game there. There was a deep interception against Minnesota in the, that game. We've seen him all year. He's forcing them all into coverage. And last year where AJ would make these amazing plays, you have a touchdown, like he threw that deep ball in the Super Bowl into double coverage, shouldn't have thrown it, was a touchdown. 
This yeah. year, what he throws at is being picked off. So just because it worked last year doesn't mean that's a good plan. But let me say this about one blitz beater they have. And John and I have had many discussions on this. The bubble screen. Um, John hates it with a passion. I, I think it can be an effective play if you've got the right players to run it. you got the right scheme to do it. I think it would be a tremendously effective play. It makes sense the Eagles would want to run it because, yeah, you want to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand as soon as possible. You can't pick up the blitz. You're in a package that doesn't provide enough protection. Just get it the hell out. But don't you have to judge the result more than anything else? There's the philosophy of it. There's the reasoning behind it. But then the play is run, and then you get to look at the film and go, uh-oh, we're just not capable of doing this. Uh, we're, we're bad at this, be it the receivers don't block or the linemen don't get out quickly enough, or Jalen's not putting it right on the guy's hands when he should be able to because there's no defense because you're getting it out that fast. At some point, don't you just have to go, all right, we can't do this. We've got to come up with a different call, a different play as a blitz beater because every time we throw the bubble screen, it goes nowhere fast. Is that not the fault of the coaching staff, or is it the fault on Jalen for continuing to throw the ball and just don't do it anymore? Jalen, it doesn't work. Well, it's it's that's a play where Jalen doesn't have a, ch a choice. A lot of times, that's a design play. Uh, we saw that at, at the uh, the end of the Cardinals game. That's what I'm referring they, they, to. Yes. Yeah, th th that was a called play. Get the ball to gain. Well, let him run. And yeah, the, so the, the the play it's it's a it's a good play when it's executed well. Eagles don't execute it well on a consistent no. basis. They've had a few. They had one where uh, they ran it on third and fifteen, and and Devontae got a first down on it. He got like eighteen or twenty yards. Yeah, uh, that, but that was the one, huh? Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, the majority of those plays are stopped right at the line or for a minimal gain. And the, the, the guys don't block it well. And I don't feel like it's a great play for either Devontae or AJ. AJ has tremendous run after the catch ability, but usually you're throwing the football and he's catching it on the move and he yeah. can accelerate. When you throw the screen, you're starting and stopping. And he's not the quickest guy. He's a, he's a you know a big dude. Uh, that's a play that maybe you throw to Britton Covey because that's the kind of thing that Covey could do. I and thought, Tommy, I thought that's where they would get the ball to DeAndre Swift in the passing game. I yeah. thought, you know, the running back, because that's the guy, you, the running back should make that first guy miss. That's a lot of times when you have to, what that's, you have to do. That's exactly right. So you, you're catching the ball with your feet already planted on the ground. You're not on the move. You've got to read the defender. You got to read the block. And you got to say, "Do I go in? Do I go out? Do I do I run full speed? Do I go two thirds speed and try to read things?" You know, you got to you got to have either a running back or a punt returner returner's kind of mentality. And neither uh, Devonte or AJ is just very good at it. Yeah. And then neither one of them blocks consistently consistently well in that play. They have plays where they look terrific with blocking, and they have other plays where they just are sloppy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, throwing the, so the, throwing the ball to gain well, they tried it against Arizona, and Arizona again, it wasn't blocked well, and it just it just wasn't executed well. And Arizona probably had an idea that was coming, so they they, they attacked it well on defense. So yeah, it's it's a play. If the Eagles want to keep that in their playbook, I'd say study it and figure out a way to to execute it better. If not, get it out of the playbook. The the only benefit to it is when the Eagles do the pump fake on it and have the blocker then go out onto the route. And we did see that's led to one touchdown this year and three or four touchdowns last year uh, where the, the defensive backs come up and then the guy who's pretending to block then runs downfield is wide open for a touchdown. 
So that's a nice, it's a nice way to get a big play, but the problem is you've got to run that play 50 times to set up that one fake that works. Yeah, but and those 50 Zach, plays, so they're gaining it 100 yards. That's not good. You Zach need more Pascal than three yards on not, that pass play. Zach Pascal's not coming back through that door. He's not coming back to be able to do no, that. He's it's, not. Yeah. It's, un, it's unfortunate. Well, we kind of buried the lead. We've been talking the offense. I get, yeah. I get it, Tommy, because, you know, offense is more exciting. That's where the stars are on this particular team. They're underachieving. But, boy, this defense, man. I mean, it is – it, it, you know, people say it could get worse from Jonathan Gannon. Well, it got a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, uh, they couldn't get worse from Sean Desai. Well, it got a hell of a lot worse. Um, and they keep getting their Benjamin, uh, Benjamin buttoning things with communication. I described it. <laughs> they're, they're aging backwards. You're supposed to get better as the season goes on with communication. They're getting worse. And worse and worse and worse. I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. It's discouraging. Even bad defenses get incrementally better. Right. Right. And now, they keep going backwards. I don't have answers for you on the defense. I really don't. Uh, I just don't know what to say. I mean, not having Darius Slay has hurt him. There's no question. Not having Zach Cunningham for a couple of weeks hurt him. Uh, it feels like you, know, you guys, before I came on, were talking about how much blame does Howie deserve. And I think what I would tell you about Howie as he constructed this roster last year where he took chances on fringe players, you know, like when he traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you know, they, they got him for a, you know, a low pick. And the thought was that's a good trade for the Eagles because you're adding a talented player. He had a career year, yeah. not just a good, you're getting a career year. Uh, this year they said, okay, well, let's try to bring in some safeties that we think can, you know, could be a good stopgap player. Terrell Edmonds was terrible, just terrible. Justin Evans couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Kevin Byard has been mediocre since they traded for him. The moves just haven't worked. And I will tell you this, this is kind of awkward. The other day I was watching the end of the Titans game against Jacksonville. And I don't know if you guys saw it. Jacksonville at fourth down, they were on the verge of scoring territory. He didn't complete a pass. Trevor Lawrence drops back, tries to hit his tight end in the flat. Really good coverage. The ball is incomplete. Terrell Edmonds was in coverage. <laughs> uh, you, and you by look, the way, Derek Barnett in Houston. I was going to uh, say, exactly. Yeah. I, the, I, the other day I was looking at something and I went and looked at Houston Texan stats. And this is after he only been there for two games or three games. He had like five tackles for loss. Yeah. And I said, excuse yeah. me? Yeah. Did, they, did they design plays where the – 10 blockers all went in another direction and then he was allowed to just run after the ball by himself. Uh, listen, it's not a good look. There's no question about it. The, the coaches this year have not been able to get these guys to play. And I do think part of it is that some of these players are thinking as individuals and defense is all about functioning as a team, right? You have to do your job on defense because if you don't do your job, protect your gap, cover your, uh, your gap, protect your zone, then all of a sudden the, the defense fails. And there was a there was a play against Arizona where Hassan Reddick is on the edge, and he sees Kyler Murray move to the opposite side of the field, just starts to. Well, then Kyler, or excuse me, Hassan takes a step inside, and then Kyler 
switches and runs outside right where Reddick would have been. But because Reddick's moved two steps inside, all of a sudden Murray's able to get down. He got a first down and that, down to about the five-yard line, set up a touchdown. If Hassan Reddick just stays where he's supposed to, that Murray's not getting him around him, and they're going to stop him. Now, maybe he gains a couple yards, but he ain't getting the first down. Yeah. Little things like that where just quit trying to be uh, an individual, quit trying to play hero ball. You watch linebackers to get into the wrong gap. You watch uh, players just make boneheaded decisions, and part of that's got to be coaching. Part of it's on the players. Part of it's just not talented enough. It's it's really amazing that somehow, you know, we, we talk about what is it, the, the sum is greater than the whole of the parts yeah. or whatever the old saying is. It feels like that's the opposite here. They bring out the worst in each other, and, and I, I don't know if it's the locker room, it's a, uh, personalities, if it's coaching, the scheme. Uh, did somebody put a curse on the, the, the defensive players, right? At this point, I'd be open to anything. Do, does anybody know an exorcist? You know, <laughs> the, the power of Christ compels you. Yeah. Let's have him do that to, to, to Matt Patricia and see what happens. I, I don't know, uh, man. Along it's those lines, along those lines, I want to ask you about two specific guys. And I think it plays into what both of you guys were just saying. The two big defensive dogs in the middle of the Eagles line, who both got off to very good starts this year. Shoot, we were making uh, Jalen Carter the defensive player of the year after six games as a rookie. He's disappeared. Jordan Davis has gone backwards. I get it that they the, the whole explanation is, well, they didn't play at Georgia. They were so deep on the defensive line. These guys didn't get their snaps and they're not used to it. They're babies. They shouldn't be running out of gas at this stage of the season. I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. Oh, they're overusing them. That's their job. They're supposed to be able to play uh, at, at age 21 and 22, however old they are. They're not Fletcher Cox, who's logged a decade. They're not Brandon Graham, who's logged a decade plus. If they're running out of gas, I can kind of get it. I know what the shelf life of a football player is in the National Football League and when you start to see a drop-off because of age. These guys are supposed to be ascending, not flattening out and or going backwards. How much of an indictment is that on the coaching staff? Sorry, Mr. Rocker, I'm looking at you. But the first defensive coordinator, the second defensive coordinator, these guys have gotten precipitously worse over the course of the year. Who's to blame, Tommy Lawler? <laughs> Jody McDonald. That's who I would blame, of course. Reporting it out? <laughs> All right, I'll take no, that listen, There's no question. I went back and reread my notes from the first Tampa game, and Jordan Davis was a key to the run defense. The I think Tampa ran for 40 yards in that game. Jordan Davis clogged the middle, and then Jalen Carter was fantastic in that game. Really played at a high level. And I thought, man, I haven't written those words for either one of them in a long time. And you're right. It, it does feel like that those guys have worn down, and that's not a good look. Now, I will say that for defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen, that is a, that's a man's position. And those are still kids growing into men. And that, you, you go mm -hmm. look at Fletcher Cox. His first couple of years, you know, he was still figuring things out. You know, you, it takes sometimes it takes a few years for a defensive tackle to really understand what it takes to be good week in and week out for a full season. And uh, we're, we're kind of seeing that maybe the coaches have not done some things well there. Uh, I don't know. And, and part of it may be conditioning, but uh, whatever it is, you're absolutely right to point out those guys have not been the same players recently And this defense. I mean, you know, Howie Roseman constructed the roster 
so that the defensive line had to be the best unit on the defense. They had to, to, to really control games. That hasn't happened. All of nope. a sudden, the back seven, which we knew wasn't great going into the season, we just didn't count on the front four or the front five being as mediocre as they are. And all of a sudden, that's made the back seven look awful. And uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing there. But yeah, right now they uh, they're not helping each other, and it's been painful to watch. Yeah, I'm still I still can't get to the point where and and. I think the front, I would describe the front, Tommy, as disappointing Mm -hmm. um, because they have to dominate and they have to dominate consistently to make up for the back end. But I can't put those two groups on an even keel. I mean, when when Gannon used to say rush and cover, cover and rush, well, the 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 front and i get why people are disappointed with them but i looked at the pff numbers because i haven't looked at them in a while the front's still pretty damn good consistently that back seven is a flipping disaster i mean it is a disaster and they haven't dominated to the point jody and i would bring up you know in the preseason bucky brooks from nfl media would say the Eagles defensive front is the best position group in the entire NFL. I The entire NFL of any position group. And we both agreed with him at the time on paper. looks so good and so deep. Hasn't lived up to that billing, which I agree with. But it's still pretty good overall. That oh, back seven yes. is just... John and I have argued this before, Tommy, and here's the point that I hang my hat on. They're supposed to be that dominant. If you're going to, now this is not Howie Roseman. If you're going to invest as much as the Eagles did, Brandon Graham makes big money. Fletcher Cox makes big money. Hassan Reddick makes big money. Josh Sweat makes big money. They put out two first round draft picks. All right, it's the, the dollars are going to come, but that's big equity in that position. What have they put in the back seven? Slay makes money. Bradbury makes money. The other uh, five guys, six guys, seven guys make a buck 85. So, yeah, the de- defensive line is supposed to dominate. And when they don't, which do you get more surprised by? The back seven, which you put together with the tape and and, and uh, uh, glue, or the guys do you're paying through the nose for up front? Yeah, it's supposed to be the, uh, the defensive line dominate. I don't care what their PFF ratings are. They're not as good as they should be for the amount of money is the kind of investment you made in them. But here's the problem, Jody. You can neutralize that pass rush if you throw the football quickly. And again, you, you could line up Reggie White, Hugh Douglas, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown, whoever you want up front, line up, choose your favorite four guys. <laughs> and if that ball is out in 2.1 seconds, those four guys are staring at each other and, and turn around and watching what's going on behind them because the ball's out so quickly. Hopefully they're chasing because they need to chase. <laughs> so if that's the case, so, if that's the case that Howie Roseman make a mistake by overpaying Josh Wetmiss on Reddick. If so, they can be neutralized by just get it out of your hands in 2.1 seconds, well, then why the hell are you paying them all that money if they're not going to be able to do their job? So here's the here's the thing that I don't understand, and every coach says this, and we know that we – and listen, it's a fact. The rush and the coverage have to work in sync. They go together. You know, if you if you have a, a bad pass rush, then it, it and you have great coverage. Well, that coverage can't last for five seconds. You know, there, there's something's gonna happen. If you have a great pass rush with terrible coverage, 
yet again, if they if they if they're flying off the ball, well, if the ball's out too quickly and it's easy to throw, that's not going to work. So they have to work together. And we've seen numerous times where it's third and five, and Eagles corners are seven, eight yards off the ball, and you see Kyler Murray or Tyrod Taylor dropping back and throwing a ball to a slot receiver, and he catches the ball right at the sticks and he's tackled. It's only he only give up six yards on the play, but he only needed five. Right. And you know, you see Hassan Reddick just just barely, you know, he was getting he was bearing down on the on the quarterback, but the ball's out. And that has to frustrate the defensive line at a certain point. I don't understand why on these third and, and short and mediums they're not playing more press coverage and giving the defensive line a chance to get there. Uh, but then I will say there are any number of plays we've, we've seen a third and long. I think there was a third and 14 the other day and they had the quarterback had plenty of time and threw a deep ball down the field, and got the first down. So when there are chances to make plays, the defensive line didn't make it. I mean, it's a, it's just, it, it, it's, um, it's not a good defense, man. It is not a good no, defense. It is not that we yeah. can agree on. I, I just don't know if this group is, I think they can play well enough to beat Tampa because Tampa just scored 22 points over the last two weeks combined. Yeah. So Tampa has their issues, but uh, somebody's going to need some real crazy mojo to have this group do anything beyond that. At Lawler NFL. We love it when Tommy Lawler uh, stops by. Make sure you read him at Eagles Blitz, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com. Does a tremendous job, tremendous knowledge going back years and years and years and years. So I'll end it there with you, Tommy. Um, Appreciate that. This uh, coaching staff is taking it from all sides. Um, where are you with the coaching staff um, and their impact on this obviously they got a hand in it but when we hear nick sirianni say we got to do a better job we think about andy reed that's obviously lip service sure i'm a personnel guy i say it all the time good times bad times it's the players how culpable are the eagles coaches for this collapse uh they have some hand in it for sure right i i agree with you that a lot of it is on the players I mean, jalen's turnovers have cost the Eagles games this year. If he just doesn't turn the ball over, they've got a couple of additional wins probably. Yeah. Um, A.J. Uh, Brown had a key fumble against when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The, the Giants on Sunday and then one in the loss to Dallas. Uh, we, we've just seen turnovers and mistakes, whether it's a drop pass, a missed block. You know, DeAndre Swift on that first and 10 run, he's got to know it's the end of the game. Just run the ball up the middle. And if you get one yard, it's second and nine. 
Instead, he decides to bounce it left to try to go for a big play. There's a holding call at first and 20. You back up, you're at the border of field goal range. That changes the play calling completely. If it's second and nine, they can they can, they can can throw the ball. They can run it. If you, if you only get one more yard, it's third and eight, but you're still solid to field goal range. You've got a whole different set of options. The players are, are making some bad decisions. They're making mistakes. They're not making big plays. On defense, I really don't understand what happened there. So the defense had a month where they held like four straight teams under – I feel like 250 yards, but at least 300 yards and, and a good performances. They played well against the Dolphins. Um, they did some good things, and then something happened, and I don't know if it's injuries or what have you, and that's where Nick Sirianni felt the need to make the move to Patricia, and things have not been the same since. Now, injuries have piled onto that, yeah. right? And so it's like it's like he made a, a, a bad decision to move away from Desai, and then injuries and and opponents have made that decision look even worse. And so that, that, that whole side of the football looks really flawed. So the big thing that I'll say is coaches need to have answers and the coaches have not found a way. I think we would all agree for, forget the, the defense is bad. We all agree on that, but I think we'd all say that the defense is, is not playing to their talent, right? Even, even with the, the flawed construction, the issues they've got, they still should be better than what we're seeing. They should not be giving up 450 yards to the Arizona Cardinals, right? I think we would all agree on that. Yeah. So I, I think, think the coaches are culpable for for the fact they haven't been able to get better play. The offense has had its issues, but it still finished top 10 in points and yards. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so yeah. The, the offensive coaching can be better, but the execution is part of that. Defensive execution is is not good either. Howie's the talent that he got hasn't worked out, but the coaching has not been able to solve any of the problems. And uh, and that's been frustrating. So uh, everybody's got a hand in this mess. Nobody's innocent. Nobody, speak, except for us three. Us speak three true. Uh, <laughs> speaking of execution, if they give up 450 yards to the Bucks this week, oh, they'll be in execution. Yeah, it's John the, McKay territory. I'm all for right. it. Yeah. Hire coaching yeah. staff. Just line yeah. them up. Uh, Tommy, we love having you on. Whenever you jump in, we'll get you back up in a couple of weeks hopefully to talk about an upcoming Eagle game. If not, the beginning of the offseason, we're definitely going to have you back on soon, brother. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, fellas. Fun to talk to you. Thanks, Tommy Lawler. Eagles, I-G-G-L-E-S, EaglesBlitz.com. Very good Eagle website. All right, McDonald and McMullen coming back. we still got plenty to get in here in our second hour, including talking to one Chris Franklin. He's going to join us coming up about 15 minutes here on Bird Street 65.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamutton Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac guys here with you on Birds 365. Chris Franklin, NJ.com, going to join us now in just over 10 minutes. Um, uh, we talked plenty about the birds and what they got to do coming up against the Bucks, and we'll certainly do more of that with Chris Franklin when he jumps in. Do want to get this in, John, and I don't want to reti- run out of time at the end of the show because it's something that I, I, I get into arguments with every single year, and I hope that's not the case this year, but I'm pretty damn sure it's going to be. Um, the Eagles, as soon as they finished their last game, we knew who they'd be playing not only this upcoming Monday night, but all of next year. The schedule is already set. That's done by a, uh, uh, I guess it's a, uh, formula that they use and it's rotating and there's people think that the NFL stacks the schedule. Yeah. We got to wait till April to find out when the games are uh, games on short weeks, long travel, everything that that is, there's some debate too, but the actual strength of the schedule itself on paper is known as soon as the season ends and the Eagles now have a second place schedule. No, they blew the division. No, it's now 19 years. The same team hasn't won. But the Cowboys got to play a first place schedule and he's got to play a second place schedule. So you got to keep that in mind, Eagle fans, if you think you got screwed somehow with the schedule this year. By the way, you didn't. They're already uh, saying they got screwed. I haven't, I, I haven't seen. Oh, it. no. I'm, I'm just anticipating that oh, okay. case because you get a percentage of fans who do that every year. The yeah. world is against gotcha. attacking it gotcha. against Philadelphia. There are only three games on a 17 game schedule that is actually dictated by how you played the year before. 
I think people overemphasize the toughness and the ease of his schedule. Well, first thing first, you got to get out of your division. And no team has been able to do it two years running in 19 years. So it is something that's apparently very difficult to do. History tells us. Um, there's only three games all next year that will be dictated by the fact that the Eagles played a second-place schedule. But people would make it sound like and make you believe that, oh, it's all dictated. No, it's not. They play the AFC, NFC South four times, all four teams. So do the Cowboys, so do the Giants, so do the Commanders. They play the AFC North, all four teams. So do the Cowboys, so do the Commanders, so do the Giants. The only three games that they have next year that are dictated by the fact that they finish with a second-place uh, uh, finishing in the NFC East are the Packers, the Rams, and the Jaguars. Second, 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 by the right. way. That's how it works. Right. You play your division – another full division in the other conference, another full division in your own conference, and then three games are dictated by the fact that you finished second and those three other teams finished in second place. It used to be just the other two in your conference. Now, because they went to 17 games, there's one uh, division in the other conference, not the one that you play the whole division, one of the other three, and that's on a rotating basis. So this year they got to Jaguars. On a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being, oh, my God, they got so lucky. 10 being, oh, my God, they're going to be so tortured because of it. How would you rank those three opponents? The others are, are are locked in stone. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't find out who those other teams you're playing because you finished with a second-place schedule. How do you think Rams, Packers, and Jaguars? And I know I'm asking you to evaluate all the way into next yeah. September. Well, and I, the whole I, bunch I, of shit that's going to go down between now and then. Yeah, exactly. Years. But you I'm know, asking you, know, you to do so. Um, I, I think it's a tougher second-place schedule than normal because I think uh, Jacksonville struggled down the stretch. But I'm I'm still a big Trevor Lawrence guy. Um, the Packers, I've been a, a Jordan Love guy for – I thought he was going to turn into a pretty good quarterback, and I think he's going to keep getting better. And then the Rams, obviously, with uh, Sean McVay. We'll see where Matthew Stafford is. Um, but I, I will say, and you're right, people overrate the schedule. It used to be a little bit more important than it is now when it's structured. But if you think about it, what are the Cowboys? The Cowboys are 12 and 5. Uh, the Eagles are 11 and 6. Those three different opponents. And when you play that first place schedule, in theory, if teams are good, but then, you know, from that standpoint, you see guys go from worst to first every year in this league. And there's guy, there's teams that weren't in the playoffs. I think poor teams not in the playoffs is this crazy consecutive year streak. So everything changes so quickly. It's so overrated strength of schedule. Um, but it does, it is more difficult when you get a first place schedule. It is. And he saw it this year, by the way. You mentioned, and that's the direct correlation that everybody's going to come up with. You said you thought the Eagles playing against those second place team a little harder than usual. You might be right. I'm a little bit more down on Trevor Lawrence than you are. I'm not calling him a bust, but he appled up. He kind of choked. And I'm not ready to anoint love to the level that some. I'm a big Jordan Love guy, man. I think he's going to be really good. I do. I do. I yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, 
But the, the the teams that the Cowboys will be playing that the Eagles won't are the 49ers, the Lions, and the Texans. That's pretty significant. If you think the Eagles' second-place schedule is, is difficult, how about the Cowboys' first-place schedule? That well, that's what I said. There's the no 49ers, doubt. The the Lions, and the, the, the Texans. All you have to do is look at the Eagles this year. And what? why is, you know, the, the, the you know, Look at all the first place teams, and it was a more difficult schedule. I did, yeah. Dallas is up again. That's the reason. Nineteen straight years, yeah. They got to play now. Who knows? Maybe Ben Johnson leaves Detroit, and maybe they fall apart. But they look pretty good. Uh, the Forty ers look pretty good. And what was the other team? Uh, Texans. Uh, Texans. C.J. Stroud. He's Stroud. only getting, he's only damn good. He's only going to keep getting better, not worse. So, yeah. Did I, I mean, did I give you the stat? I know I gave it out on CBS. I think gave it out on WIP. I may have given it out here yesterday. I saw this uh, over the weekend for C.J. Stroud. When he finished up the season, he had over 4,100 passing yards, which for a rookie is just outrageously good. Um, and his interception percentage ratio, which means how many passes get picked for every pass you attempt, was less than 1%. Yeah. For every 100 passes he threw, he threw less than one interception. In the history of the National Football League, this is not just rookies. This is not just the last 10 years. This is the history of the National Football League. One other quarterback has had a year in which he's thrown for 4,100 yards and had an interception ratio of less than 1%. And remember, by the way, as we go, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the draft, but uh, C.J. Stroud posts the worst S2 cognitive oh, test score of any quarterback. Don't get me going on C2. You, you, we'll, we'll lose the last 40 minutes of the show. But, McMullen, you should know, who is the only quarterback in the history of the National Football League before C.J. Stroud who threw for 4,100 yards and less than one interception per 100 passes? I have no idea. He's one of your guys. Stafford? No, it wouldn't be Stafford. Uh, Cousins? Uh, uh, Didn't play much this year. Uh, don't know. Don't know. As in, got hurt on the fourth play of the game. Yeah. Oh, Aaron. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron doesn't throw interceptions. No, Aaron. Never does. I, I would say, you know. Aaron's a kook. Uh, he's a lunatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, all that stuff. But he is, I, I always say, and you've heard me say it, no one has played the position at a higher level in the Correct. history of professional football. No one. And, and for C.J. Stroud to go to that level in his rookie year. Now, when Roger did it, wasn't his rookie year. It's right. It was like one, his one fourth of year. year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he did it when he was MVP. I got it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking young. Yeah. Was only, no, no. John, every quarterback in the history of the National Football League, yeah, I got every year, every quarterback, it's only happened twice that a quarterback threw for 4,100 yards because some guys don't throw a pick all year, but they only throw 20 picks. So you're not getting 4,100 yards. They only throw 20 passes. So yeah. to accomplish 4,100 yards total passing and only throw less than one pick per 100 throws, it's only happened twice. Rodgers once. C.J. Stroud in his rookie year once. That's just 
off the charts good. All right, he's McMahon on McDonald. Uh, we're expecting our buddy Chris Franklin to jump in with us. Where will he be? Will he be from the home office? Will he be? He's not outside. It's cold out. I just got back in from taking out the dog. Winter's here, guys. We actually no, it's going to get hot now. The rain is coming in. It's going to get hotter. It's going up to like 50-something. 50? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, a very rainy day around the Delaware Valley when it gets here. You know what that means for me? I'm going to have to go put air in my tires. Do you have the same thing on your goofy tires? That if it gets down below a certain percentage, it goes up with the heat, down with the heat. That oh, yeah. You get the the yeah. blinking idiot so, light that tells you one of your tires is low. Yeah, it's the Tom Brady effect uh, of, of, of the footballs. Yeah. The the cold affects the, uh, yes, it definitely yes. does. I'm, yes. If it's going to be going up and down and up and down, then I'm going to have to go put air in my tire. Uh, we get hot air every time our next guest joins us. Is he listening yet? He's looking at like, what the hell? Uh, Chris Franklin from NJ.com is going to jump in with us. He's next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mac and Mac. John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And we have. Chris Franklin from NJ.com, from his uh, home office. Looking good there, Christopher. Uh, appreciate you coming on with us today. Anything Thanks. embarrassing above and beyond Eagle performance happened in the MetLife press box this week that you can rat out McMullen or Martin Frank or anybody else for? Any, yeah, rat, out, rat out somebody else, Chris. Yeah. Well, the fact that, you know, that we, we exist, we didn't have seats. We didn't have a yeah, seat. We didn't have seats. Where. Guy, talk about we, mailing it in. The New yeah, York we, Giants <laughs> mailed it in. My God, they didn't even put up a seating chart. Well, they did have a seating chart, but they thought only the members of the Philadelphia Inquirer were showing up. They thought, yeah. I guess they thought six Philadelphia writers were showing up. Um, nobody yeah. else had a seat. In the press box. So was Scramble Nation. Everybody get yeah. the best seat you sit can. Sit wherever you want. Yeah, really? Sit wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. I had to sit sit far. I sat far far just to get a new angle, just to see something different. But I was like, wait a minute, like I'm, I'm like I scanned in. I'm allowed. Like what's going on? Like I thought I was going to start doing it from like up top, like I did it for the uh one, one of those college bowls down there in uh the Boca Raton Bowl. I had to sit outside in the rain one time because I was in an auxiliary press box. I'm like, the do this again. Town. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> from a comfy table in a cafeteria, they got nice TV screens there. You can watch. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. Oh, there were plenty, plenty of seats. That wasn't the issue because a bunch of people, obviously, week eighteen, they're mailing it in. But they, you know, they didn't even put the names down on this. There were plenty of seats that weren't wasn't the issue. The point yeah. is, they they usually, you know, they usually direct you where to sit, and and the Giants were like, you know. We're five yeah, and eleven. Who cares? Who cares? I just want to belong somewhere, guys. That's all. I just want to know where I'm yeah. going to be. I just want to belong somewhere. What the heck? Well, you that. sound like you're more concerned than some of the Philadelphia Eagles are, and that's just flat out wrong because they've been putrid for a month and a half now. Here, yeah. I get it. There's, I, I don't want anybody coming out and going, "We stink," and this guy's not doing that right, and the coach has no clue. I, I'm not looking for a crash and burn moment, but are you surprised by the fact that no one has had really anything creatively to say about what the Eagles need to do to get right and get this ship turned around? I, I'm not predicting a Super Bowl by any stretch of the imagination, but it'd be really nice to win a playoff game against Tampa this week. And I've gotten nothing from the coaches, from any of the players on this team as far as um potential corrections that this team can make. Am I being overly judgmental? No, I mean I'm just waiting for somebody like I've I've been talking around maybe it happened. I don't know. I'm waiting for somebody like maybe throw a speaker or something around just to draddle it up to try to get a spark into this team because it feels like for his last couple of weeks it's just like, well we're in the playoffs. Okay. We'll turn around. We'll just flip the switch and ready and 
it's like this weird flat line right now. And yeah. I was waiting for I'm waiting for somebody to go like, okay, yeah. I mean, last week we saw a practice. We saw everybody's loose and just having fun, thinking that was going to be a thing. But we saw what happened when they came out that way. So I just I, I want not, I want to see that. Well, really I, I'll tell play. you what's going to happen, Chris. They're going to play the hits. Um, and I saw uh, BG, you know, Mr. Optimism, obviously. And BG's great, phenomenal guy. But um, he was just on uh, with Jody's other employer. Last um, night, yep. And, you know, he's talking about nobody believes in us, uh, you know, uh, backs against the wall, underdog mentality. Lane Johnson's going to have the hat out. Jason Kelsey's going to have Nick's going to wear it. Nobody believes in these build up Eagles. They're going to go down that route again. They're going to play the hits. Is that enough? Nobody believes in us. Maybe it works for the rookies because they haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's almost, it's like, you know what? Yeah, this works. But yeah, it's you can say all that. It was, you gotta find it. You gotta actually do it on the field. And can you can it work for some of the schematic thing, schematically for some of the stuff? Like, can you go? You know what? We're going to stop it so that way nobody's going to be us in between the numbers. Yeah, but you hope you get that in the defensive room or some of the coaches room or something like that because that's where I think it's, a lot of it's going to matter and. I think for some of the players, I think, they, I think it is they're going to ramp it up just a bit, but so are the Buccaneers because they've been in this situation too. So, yeah, nobody yeah. believes in the Buccaneers either, by the way. Yeah. Nobody. Uh, yeah. Was, the Eagles are favorite. <laughs> they're favorite. Uh, so nobody believes in the Buccaneers. I just thought it was funny. I knew they were going to go down that route, but there's a bunch of there's, so there's, there's four guys BG, Dallas Goddard. Now, after the game, Dallas Goddard said something kind of weird that um, basically, you know, they were waiting for the playoffs and kind of mailed it in like the Giants press uh, uh, corps, uh, not press corps, but PR staff. They mailed it in down the stretch. Um, any belief in what Dallas was saying and they can just turn the switch on. And then you had Chad Ochocinco coming out of nowhere saying, oh, the Eagles are playing possum. What, what, what is going on? They're playing possum. What, what? Come on. This is the greatest possum act ever, by the way, if that's what they're doing. Yeah, if they were winning these last, like, if they won, like, if they went 3-3 three, three down a stretch and then the last two were losses because they're playing vanilla because they didn't want anybody to see what they're really doing, okay, maybe I can believe that. But they've been looking bad when they had a lot of stuff on the line. Right, so yeah. I can't see them playing a lot po- I can't see them playing possum or anything else like that for. I mean, I love Clay Clubshay and everything else, but I don't know if I don't know if there was something else going on like late nineties times delirious for that one. And when Dallas got to say that, I was like, I, I'm not I think he made me misworded or something, but yeah, I don't nah you still had even last week, when you still had the number two C line, even if you pulled them in the second half and then everything went downhill like that way, okay, I get it. But the fact you still you came out that flat. The fact that even for if it was a quarter whatever, you still had a chance to still clinch everything and you still come out and play that performance, that was just bad overall. And I when that you have stuff on the line like that for it, I just don't see how you can just go, okay, yeah, we can flip a switch next the following week because you know, yeah, switch gonna get better. It's, this means more now. Yeah, somebody's yeah. gotta tell Dallas quick history lesson, and it's not all that far back in history. The Eagles have gone to two of the last six Super Bowls, and both times they had all their playoff games at home. So you're playing possum there, big guy, and just waving goodbye yeah. to home games. 
that's not the brightest strategy I've ever heard, Dallas. I, I'd rethink that one if that was actually the way you were thinking or anybody else on that team did. I, I did see this this morning, um, Chris, and we're all trying to figure out ways how to get the shift turned around and right and everything else. Power ratings. We spend way too much time during the year with power ratings. Oh, you can power rate playoff teams, too. There are 14 of them. And the power rating I saw I had the Philadelphia Eagles rated 14th last. Out of all the teams in the postseason, they actually take into consideration the way they're playing right here, right now. They got the Eagles 14th. 13th, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the two worst teams in the playoffs are facing off against each other Monday night. Is that the hope that, yeah, the Eagles stink, but so do the Bucs. So why don't we just stink a little less and find a way to win the game? Is that how the Eagles have to come into this one? According to that, it makes it feel, it, you know, it does kind of feel, it feels like a playing game for NCAA tournament, like this ding, field ding, of 60, yeah. 65 and, and 66. And 65 yeah. and 66. Yeah. Yeah. I might steal that, Chris. I'm going to call it a playing game. Yeah. Go, go for it. Uh, you know, looking at this, you know, it does feel like, because I'm, because, I'm, you know, we were all scoreboard watching and watching Red Zone and everything else. And you're looking at the Bucks' offense. I know Baker was hurt, but still, you Ooh. have, Pieces and it's like not look good. Dave oh, Canales is getting head coaching interviews. Maybe maybe he's not going to be focused. Dave Canales. Oh uh, yeah. You see, he's not going to be focused. Yeah. Was Monty also involved in that? No, I'm just kidding, stop. But uh, when you look at that, uh, when you look at everything else, uh, now nah, I just look at that 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 they they can't score. Like, they're having offensive issues themselves. But the thing I see is at least their defense is stopping somebody. And even if it's the Carolina Panthers, as bad as they are. As much as they probably mailed it in, but yeah, I just look at that and I'm just like, you know, the, the Bucks office might stop, but we've heard the same thing about the Giants. We've heard the same thing about the Cardinals. We saw the same thing about Drew Locke when when he's leading the when he's leading the offense. And each time, you're like, oh yeah, this is this is the week that the Eagles defense make a stop. But every time, it's like, eh, let's play passive defense. Let's play this zone, or let's blitz into an area where you know this team could pick it up, and then next thing you know, it's like a big gap somewhere else, and. Yeah, it's uh, it does. It, to me, it doesn't. You can't even look at that. It's, it's to this point now, you, you got to look at this team differently. And I, it, I'd have to agree. I probably was going to put them like twelve, but looking at it more and more, thinking about it now, yeah, 13, 14, 13 versus fourteen. Yeah, this, this is where we're at right 13, now. Thirteen, wow, yeah. I'd have to think about that, but I, I definitely wouldn't put the Eagles last because I think they're better than that. Yeah, yeah, they have a better roster. Uh, it's just the way they're playing yeah. right now. Just looking like, uh, so I, yeah, um. So you'd flip 14 and 13. That's yeah, at least. Bad. I'd have to think about some of the other teams. Yeah, but I, I'm at least Eagle flipping. fans, thank you, John McMullen, for that. Yeah, I'm they, at least they flipping that. They appreciate your confidence. You know what? Given, they're not 14. They're 13. I shouldn't you tease back. because I got to predict a game. I shouldn't tease where I'm going, but I just tease where I'm going. So, you um, know, a whole, whole bunch of stuff can come down between now and that's next true. Monday, that's true. That's true. And, and when you look at it, too, also the Steelers, if you had to play head-to-head right now against all these teams, the only two teams you think you probably have a shot, comfortable, that you think you at least have a shot or you can turn things around are either them or the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers. Yeah. I, Steelers, I put them out of the Steelers as well. So I'm, 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 they're, the Eagles are moving up. They're, well, they're moving maybe up. that's about it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. With, with a bullet? <laughs> Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Yeah, the Eagles are rising? Um, 
<laughs> well, now one of the one of the issues is I I can I can I can picture at least if you want to be positive, people want to go Brandon Graham. Let's play Brandon Graham. So you want to be optimistic. I can picture the Eagles' offense turning the switch on because they have good players defensively. I can't even picture it, Chris. I can't even picture this team playing well defensively. I've never seen anything like it. They get worse when it comes to communication. I asked Nick about that yesterday. They've gotten worse, usually, even with bad defenses. As the season goes on, you get progressively better when it comes to the communication aspect. They get worse and worse and worse. How do you explain it? I wonder if something where they're tinkering so much, like they're trying to fix it, and then you think you've done something one way then you're trying to fix it through practice and try to switch it up to try to do to fix these things and you got so many different tinker stuff that you're changing and everything else now that yeah it's not flowing right and then everybody look around like no we're supposed to do this no we're supposed to do this well you're supposed to be able to. i think it's one of those things it could be one of those things where you're trying too many changes instead of just like basically getting back to your fundamentals and working what works base and then building off of that to the point where i think they're looking like okay what's going on and just run around and especially offensively you look like when it comes to the blitzes too like they've handled these blitzes before but I, I you just you don't know what's going on and even to the point where you're looking for the out route the hot routes you're looking for those you can't find them it's it's a it's a weird thing that's going on like right now i think i think it's almost one of the things where they're just trying too many things. That they, they, you want to see them try to change things to get them out of this rut, but there's so many changes going on. They're looking like their head's spinning, like, oh, what's going on? Not, it's not working as well as it could be. Joe, can I follow up? Yeah, real quick? Go ahead. Just because sure. one thing you said there, Chris, hot routes. Now, I've been saying about this, and I want to run this by you as well. And I went back and looked. You know, when Philip Rivers, as we know, Nick loves in – uh, loves him as a quarterback for those who don't know. Um, when he was in Indianapolis, the Colts had some hot routes. Um, they don't have them here. I'm starting to look at the quarterback. I'm starting to look at one and say, he's not comfortable with that stuff. And I see when blitzes come and he starts flushing. Is that more on Jalen Hurts, because he's done it in the past, Nick Sirianni. He's put these kind of he's put these hot routes in his offense in the past. They're not here now. Who's the blame for that? The quarterback or the coaching staff? I think it's three. The quarterback, coaching staff, and something like that. To me, it's always the quarterback, coaching staff, and receiver. Because you need them all to be on the same page. You have to have the coaching staff that has those routes installed. And then make sure that they're in the right areas to get rid of the ball in that one. You have to have the quarterback that's on the safe and knows what the coaching staff wants and knows where to throw the ball to in those areas. And you have to have the receivers to recognize that, you know what, hey, I see somebody, especially if you're in a slot or something like that, hey, I see somebody coming from the inside. I see an area that's vacated. Maybe make sure I go to the right area so that way when the quarterback throws it, it's not going to the opposite side where there's nothing there. So I think it's a, it goes at all levels, I think, to me, on this offensively. I think coaching staff, quarterback, and receiver or something like that. Now, I, Chris, I'm going to drag you into a debate that John and I have from time to time. Um, and I know I sound like a broken record on this, but I still question how the Eagles practice, what they do with their practices, how they allocate their time and their effort and everything else. And John almost always goes down the road of, 
Yeah, but Jody, they can't. The CBA doesn't allow that. You can't go back to to Westchester and think that they're ever. I get it. they're not. They're, I get it. It's not happening. John has made the point successfully. He's, he's pounded it into my head. I get it. They can't practice like they used to. But Javon Hargrave came out today and said, yeah, with the 49ers here, we work in practice. With the Eagles, it's chill. And they don't, don't bust it as much. Don't worry. Not as much intensity and the like. A star player left the Eagles is still a star player with the 49ers, now a major rival. And he said, oh, yeah, there's a difference between the practice here in San Francisco and Philadelphia. Does that reverberate at all in the Eagles hall? Do they hear that at all and go, yeah, maybe we need to think about this, either on the coaching staff or the entire organization from top to bottom? Will will that make any waves whatsoever that a former star player came out and goes, oh, yeah, piece of cake practice in Philadelphia? No, I don't think so. I think because as much as we've seen – Damn walking through that facility, <laughs> walking through the facility. So all that sports science stuff that they have, like or at least in that little corridor we get to walk through every day, like they have a lot going. They have a lot invested in it, and for the most part, before this season, it worked. I mean, look, it was working, and they had the guys refreshing and everything else like that. The one thing I think may change is when we look at training camp next year. Maybe we see something a little bit more, maybe a little bit more thud, so they at least get the. Where you get at least some contact, where you're not like tackling, like tackling to the ground and all that stuff, so you don't risk the injuries there. I think maybe you see more emphasis on tackling as well too. I think that's a something we'll see more in training camp too. But right now, like when they get in the end season thing, I don't think they're going to change on that. I don't, I don't think it's changed. Is that, now, uh, like during the regular season, we don't get to see like the all the full practice. I'm not thinking like they're going like, okay, you know what? Okay, yeah, we ran our two, we ran our two series. All right, get, get the lounge chair, sit back, uh, get a mai tai, and go. Okay, yeah, we're fine. Okay, we'll see if this matchup zone here. Like, I mean, like they're playing like that right now, but nothing like that. But I think overall, with no, training camp, not, I, it, I mean, like yeah, the numbers thirteen, I think thirteen padded practices, and yeah, a, a, yeah a, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so, max yeah, of those. It's not uh, the way it used to be. That's for sure around the NFL. But with Javon, yeah, I they, I don't know. I didn't see the whole interview. I don't know if you did, Jody, but I bet you said he'd like Philadelphia better. <laughs> <laughs> from his perspective, uh, they don't want to practice, so they're happy with it, the veteran guys. Um, the issue comes with the younger players, and the Eagles have had to lean on some younger players this year, especially defensively, um, and it hasn't worked out for them. Um, I want to talk about personnel, though, because I think they have the personnel on offense, as I said, to turn it around. I don't know if they're going to, but I think they have the personnel. I don't think they have the personnel on defense to turn it around. Um, is that on Howie Roseman, or is it just some bad luck injuries, Nicobe Dean, um, you know, some of the safety issues, or is it just he made some mistakes? I think when you look at the maybe the linebacker area, maybe like at least to start the season, maybe has a little bit more depth, so you didn't have to rely on getting in. in probably through either through the draft or through the first wave of free agency in March that you had some death. I granted, I know you had to pay your you had to pay the secondary guys and you had to pay some of these free agents to come back. And you thought you had that defensive line to still be able to put pressure. So I think the more actually didn't get the pass, but I started to put more stress on that back seven. And I think that's when you start to look at you maybe had a better linebacker on that 
I don't fault him for trying to continue to fix it as the season went along, like bringing in Shaq Leonard and trying to get Bayer and stuff like that. We had those injuries and had those opportunities to get the guys. I don't fault him for that because it was worth a shot to see T-Thuddy get more out of some of these guys as well, too. So I think more of the initial de- wave in the depth was defensively, just some of the guys that they wound up signing, I think that went a long way because uh, I think that's where I think that's where you start to see that. I think if you had a lot more initial depth, I think that would have been all right, a little bit better than what they are right now. Although it pains me to say this because John will attest, I was about as big a Nicobe Dean fan as there were when he became a Philadelphia Eagle. I wanted to take him in the second round. Forget about the third. So I was ecstatic when he became a bird. He didn't do all that much before he got hurt this year. So if you're going to put it out, oh, he got, ooh, he lost Nicobe Dean. So what? Nicobe wasn't playing great when he got hurt. So I'm not buying that or accepting that as an, oh my God, how will we expect to go on without Kobe Dean? What was Kobe Dean doing before he got hurt? That I digress. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Kobe comes back and is a Pro Bowl linebacker next year. Please, please, please. <laughs> the thing where he just he's missed so much time that you know you get out that you, you know see that thing you just need a flow you just need to get used to everything and every time he starts to get a little like okay one foot's getting the other he's starting to make some headway then he's out because of his hurt so that's why I think a lot of that was right. Like if you ask me about that for the first. Injury, first goal injuries, I'm like, all right, cool, he to that. Now, especially with the, the plantar fasciitis stuff, and that takes a long time to heal, as we can see and we can attest and look at that. I'm really starting to worry. So down to the point now you got to use yeah. – look at using one of your second-round picks to get – to use it on him. you got to yeah. linebacker again. He's an injury – he's becoming an injury-plagued player. All right, let me uh, quickly swing the pendulum completely in the other direction. Quez Watkins didn't do enough last week to make Eagles <laughs> believe that he's still a – a confident wide receiver in the National Football League. It's a playmaker. He was the Eagles' biggest playmaker last week uh, he, on Sunday. He was. He, he was. He was. He really was. Like, I, like the deep route or, or against the sideline he dismissed. Okay, yeah, I get that. But everything that was else. Nice, was, to be fair to Quest, that was a hell of a nice. That that was a. He went up and got that touchdown. Turn. Yeah, he did. He high pointed <laughs> the football. You know. Here's here's my thing with Quez in all seriousness. I I always say, and I've used this analogy with Jody before, it, it, to the baseball utility guys. Some guys, if they are only, and I'm I'm going old school because baseball's changed so much, but they would play like once a week, and a lot of guys couldn't, you know, get up and not have those consistent consistent at bats and and perform. And there were certain guys who could do it and be really representative and were solid utility players, as they would call them. I think Quez is one of those guys who needs the football to be any kind of success. And when he gets one or two opportunities every now and again, he can't do it. So it's not going to be meaningful here because they have A.J. and Devontae. But I think when he goes somewhere else next year, I think he's an NFL player. I, I think but he is. Do you, you think he's so, good enough to be an NFL number two? No. If you're, saying, if you're saying he needs action to realize his highest potential, he I, can't be that fill-in part-time guy. 
where is he going to go and be the number two? I think he could be a legit number three where they get some passes his way and he could be fine. I I think he'd be not behind a Smith and a Brown. Okay. Uh, I I, I think he's not a Stagler type where he's not just, if he doesn't use them on screens and go routes, if you use them in some areas, I think he he can have a type of career like Nelson Aguilar's had. That's where I think he's. Yeah, I think he's all right. Like he uh, there are other the teams on like I mean the Eagles don't get the ball to the third guy. There are other teams that do. They the, the third guy you'll see all over the league's got like 40, 50 receptions and they get consistent traffic each week. I I I think he would be better in that kind of role. Not that he'd be great, but I just think he's a legitimate NFL player. I think and he's fourth and he's fourth in this offense because you know they want to get Dallas Goddard involved. When you yeah. hear about the three, Brown, Smith, and Goddard, yeah. and then now he's exactly. fourth in this one too. So yeah. yeah, the volume wise, it's 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 slower. Like, yeah, he if he get, when he goes somewhere because I, I I can't. And I don't even know if he will because he you know he did nothing this year, so I don't think anybody's going to be breaking down his door saying, "Oh, we got to get Quez Watkins to be part of our offense." But if there's injuries and he gets a chance, like he did, I mean, it was a meaningless game, but he looked a hell of a lot better when he was getting involved than he does when he's you know, sort of an afterthought. All right, Chris Franklin, I need an end of season regular, hopefully playoffs, things turn around, uh, evaluation of an Eagle player. Missed three games, 59 catches on 83 targets, 592 yards, three touchdowns. That's Dallas Goddard. And the coach told us the offense runs through Smith and Brown and Goddard. Goddard is not only third, He's a distant third. Why? Why? I think it's an underachieving year for Dallas Goddard. If you disagree, please do so. If you agree, if you can give me some reasoning as to why Dallas Goddard put up the middling numbers he did all year. That's my blind spot. So I'm for the life of me, I'm looking around like the routes, the type of routes he's run, the type of like the what how he's being utilized and everything else. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like. Yeah, he's had a couple drops here and there, yeah. But and I look, but I also look at the way like they tr- they use them, like a lot of receptions were on like screens were within like ten yards and stuff like that in the offense. I think his strength is really getting toward the seams, and when team and when teams start going cover four, they can't really run that seam seam route. You have to run those sits and stuff, stuff left. They start running cover three. I think he's a great weapon to have, and this teams aren't playing it. I. I wish they would just get the get him the ball, especially over the middle more. But we know how this team has issues sometimes throwing the ball over the middle. So it's a little bit of old coaching, and it's a little bit of him as well too. And it, those numbers for the type of caliber tight end he has, he is, yeah, they're low. Because yeah. I thought, well, for me, going into the season, he was I, one of the top five receivers, and look, those stats he put up aren't top five worthy. You know, but. before the season, I I said it was. Put them in any order you want. Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, and then it was Dallas Goddard. Now coming out of it, I got to put Laporta ahead of him. I got to put TJ Hawkinson, who tore his ACL, so who knows where he's going to be. But he was having a great season. Um, Yeah. You you, you want another one? You could put McBride ahead of him. Trey McBride. Uh, I'm not going that far. Yeah, he's a good player. I like him. I I think if you're ready to run Laporte up there that fast as a, a rookie, check McBride's yeah. numbers. Laporta though is he's 
I, I saw McBride play. McBride's like more of an old school Y back tight end. I think Dallas is way more athletic. Laporta can do both. Laporta's really good. Really good. Um yeah. and so is TJ. Uh who who knows if he'll be healthy. But yeah, he took a little bit of a step back. I think that's fair. He's still a good player. I'm not gonna say that about Dallas Goddard. But we'll end it there with you uh, at C. Franklin News. The great Chris Franklin, NJ.com, does a tremendous job covering this team with Brookie, Bob Brookover now, helping out with the Eagles. Uh, how far are we going to go, Chris? And by the way, when this ends, if it ends this week, who's the scapegoats? Where are we going? Uh, Patricia Desai. Oh, there's a ton, there's a ton you can go away. You're going to blow out the whole defensive coaching staff? I, I could, I maybe take, Tracy Rocker? I can't take away everybody. I think he's, I think there's a couple holdovers. You know, Nick knows DK from way back. I think DK stays. I think Tracy stays. Uh, yeah, I think those, if anything, I think those are the guys that do that. And then from there on out, I, I just get this gut feeling. I, it's one of the things that I think if they win and they if they win this week and it's a decent defensive feeling, then I think you got Patricia back for another year. And oh, that, uh, more, more I hadn't even considered season. that. I so this is where it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like he gets more of his guys to run his system because he'll be off to implement it. If they, I personally, I think it's time for the fan Vangio thing that, that if you can't get the guy who's just naked after, just move on and try to get the system. 100%. Move on. No, Turn no, no. What's point. wrong with you guys? The answer just became available yesterday. Wink Martindale? Time to wink in Philadelphia. Bring in Wink Martindale. And you want to make <laughs> the fan base happy. Get the most blitz-happy defensive coordinator in the last 20 years in the National Football League. You'll put a smile on every Philadelphia Eagles fan's face by hiring Wink Martindale as the defensive coordinator for next year. I don't think it goes with Nick's philosophy. You know how they talk about explosive plays? Blitz leads to more chances of explosive plays. I think you get a different... Well, that's... uh, Well, hold on. Will that be the driving force? Nick's philosophy? this year or will the do new coaching staff be more determined by the owner and the general manager than the head coach's philosophy? Well, I, I think, I, I, I think I know the answer to what he would say because we hear about when he says a lot of times, well, you can win offensively. We ran the wing team. We ran there's pro style and everything else. Yeah. Defensively. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those, you know what? I'm open defensively to as long as we don't give up explosive plays. And looking and then, different and ways then, that and way. And then too. Wick show, Wink shows up, blitzing from the buses. First uh, week one, <laughs> 80 yard <laughs> touchdown. Bang. Not impossible, guys. Don't discount it. I've never seen it possible. Nothing's ever possible. It's happening, but uh, I think it will at least be considered depending on how the game goes on Monday night. Chris Franklin will get you up next week after the game, one way or the other. Thank you very much for hopping in with us today. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one now. That is the Franklin man, Chris Franklin, here with us on Birds 365. Just a quick note. Um, tight ends who uh, compiled more yards than Dallas Goddard this year. George Kittle and Dallas was 588. 588 yards receiving for Dallas. George Kittle, 1,020. Sam Laporta, 860. 
Travis Kelsey. How'd you leave Kelsey out of your list earlier? No, I said Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews. Put them in any order you want. That's what I said. Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews. So yeah. Goddard was four in yes. your four. Okay. Uh, Hawkinson, 960. And Joku, 882. Yeah, he's really good. And Joku's really good. Evan Ingram, 884. Cole Komet, 678. Jake Ferguson of the Dallas Cowboys. And I questioned that. I said, how do they let Schultz walk out that building and not replace him? Well, Jake Ferguson has 692. Um, Dalton Schultz, 593. He's got more than Dallas, too. And Trey McBride, 791. Almost 800 yards receiving. Dallas Goddard didn't get the 600 this year. So as a rookie. No, but he did, he did miss three games. Like, how many of those guys uh, missed three games? I don't, I don't have. I don't know. Um, so he would have been up in the 700 range, probably not crazy numbers, but would have been a little bit better, but he's, you know, that's part of it too, because he missed, um, five games a year before. So, I mean, durability is part of it. He plays recklessly. Uh, like I'd like to say at times he runs hard, you know, he won Kyle Brandt's angry run thing twice this year. Um, so part of it is that he he plays so physically, um, he's susceptible to some injuries. Um, he's still a really good player, but I, I think it's fair what you said. I think before the season, I, I had him at number four. I I forgot about Njoku. Um, I'm definitely putting Laporta ahead of him. I'm definitely putting Hawkinson ahead of him. I'm definitely putting Njoku ahead of him. Maybe Evan Ingram who had a big year, but he's he's more well rounded than Evan Ingram's just a receiver in my mind. Same with same with Kyle Pitts, who also had more yeah, yards. Kyle Pitts, uh, same thing. Same he's yeah. just a receiver. Right. Um so he's still top ten, but he's yeah, I think he's falling back a little bit. Yeah, if I told you he's not in the top five before the year started, you probably would argue with me. Of course he's in the top five. He's yeah, not I definitely top five. I had him at four. I definitely, uh, he's definitely not in the top five now. I, I that definitely Laporta, Hawkinson, and Joku, bang, bang, bang. And those three guys at the top are still, and Mark got hurt, but he's still a great player. Uh, Mark Agreed. Davis. All right. He's McMullen on McDonald. We come back, put a bow on the show. We are on Bird Street 65. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. 
We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. couple of things before we get out of here. We're running late on Bird 365. Uh, Johnny Mac is today coordinator Tuesday or? No, push back a day uh, because it's a Monday game. So everything pushed back a day. Coordinators tomorrow. Will it be a walkthrough Thursday then? Walkthrough Thursday, yes. Walkthrough Thursday, Friday, the big practice of the week, Saturday, the uh, light practice day before the game game. Yeah. Walk through Thursday somewhere. Javon Hargrave giggles, but that's just me. Point the hey, Javon loved those walkthroughs. Trust me. He loved them. Every veteran loves them. I, I don't think he's complaining about the results this year in San Francisco. Um, and oh, by the way, tomorrow, uh, our buddy Mike Gill will be aboard. If you want to write in the chat, what t-shirt you think Mike Gill's going to be wearing, feel free. Uh, you could influence Mike Gill's T-shirt choice. A uh, little side fun thing we have going with Gill on what T-shirt will he be wearing. I will predict it'll be a university that neither he nor I nor John would be accepted at. That uh, Mike Gill will somehow rep a T-shirt from a university which too high standards to allow either Mac, Mac or Mike in. Uh, but that will be tomorrow. McMullen, I'm back here in 22 hours. I'm hoping you're by my side. Is that the case? Uh, I'm planning on it. We're all day-to-day, Jody. You know me. Day-to-day. Uh, is is the Eagles' defense day-to-day at this point? Or are they? I don't know if they are day-to-day. They're, they're 
They might be a lost cause. Is but, someone, you know, hey. Is someone looking up at the clock to declare what time the body died? Somewhere, uh, you know, BG's going to hear that, what I said, and he's going to say, nobody believes in us. And yeah, that McMullen be, guy. Yeah, that McDonald guy. We're burying the defense. That's going to be the rallying cry. Nobody believes in us. Let's go. Let's I go beat Tampa. Their best chance is Matt Patricia loses the pencil. If he just takes out the pencil, that could be the key to an improved Eagle defense. Congratulations to Martin Frank, by the way, because the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, oh, that's right. Martin's a, a Michigan man, huh? Michigan man. Michigan man. And by oh, the way, real quick, I know we got to go. Uh, the Eagles are not hiring Jim Harbaugh. Uh, forget about it. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. The, the commanders might. And there was a report out this morning that the Bears, although most of the reports leading up to last week's loss against the Packers was Eberflus had done enough to keep his job. But now they're there. Oh, yeah. Michigan, Chicago. Yeah. A yeah. Chicago, Michigan man. Um, I meant to ask is if anybody's still on the stream, we got 300 and change of you guys. Thanks for streaming in today. Hit me on Twitter at Jody McMahon, J O D Y M A C M A N. If you know the answer to this as my Twitter handle right there on the screen. Did you stay up for the end of the college football game last night? I did not. I, uh, I passed out. <laughs> I was on the air till 3 a.m. So I was on the air when the game ended and they had the post-game celebration. Who was the babe on the stage? Um, they gave I, out- I think it was the quarterback's girlfriend. There's some, I believe, if it's the same girl, there's a sort of uh, video clip going around with, uh, well, I probably shouldn't talk about it, but she's very attractive. She was outrageous. Yeah. I'm going, who is that up there? The quarterback, the coach. Well, no, it's not Harbaugh's wife. Uh, but uh, she and and they got her in the shot as often as possible. Oh, yeah. Those camera guys, up. by the way. In the woke, woke world we live in, those camera guys still find the pretty girls. They, God they bless are, them. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. If, if uh, you concur with John that it was – uh mccarthy's uh girlfriend please uh and, and i don't know because there was the clip in the stands of of his girlfriend i believe she and, was on the podium last yeah. night and she's a very very good looking woman yeah. all right he's mcmullen i'm mcdonald we got to get out uh bill color real power hour next we'll be back here on birds 365 in two and two You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.